This is exactly right. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. How's it going? Good. How are you? Real good. Yourself? Good. Thank you. Good. 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 This is my favorite murder. We're a podcast uh, that talks about um, true crime stories and really breaks them down. <laughs> yep. And that's all we talk about. That's uh, that's not true. There is a lot of lying on this podcast, <laughs> and we don't. Yeah. This is pretty. This is pretty exactly how it goes. Yeah, if you don't like it, go away. <laughs> don't. Karen gets real mad at you guys sometimes. <laughs> I feel like people kind of like at live shows, they like when you yell at them. Uh-huh. So they'll purposely like scream something. Well, I mean, some of those live shows, it's like those people have never been in a theater or been to a live show before. Yeah. It's just like drunk girls who are re- repeat yelling the same thing over and over. Mm. That's not how you act. Mm-mm. Then you hear other people shushing those people. Oh, God. It's just intense. It's just like it feels like there's a fight's going to break out. And it, might be, and it might be with you. Oh, that's fine with me. I'm thoroughly trained. You love a bar fight. God, I'm sorry. Hold on. I do have some corrections from the oh. uh, God last couple. Okay. Speaking of the live show, um, in the Boston show that we posted, I referenced the blog name. I did it for Jody. Um, I said it was a that was a reference to Mark David Chapman, but that's incorrect. I meant John Hinckley Jr., the man who uh, tried to assassinate Reagan. He said when he was brought in that he did it for Jodie Foster. He was obsessed with Jodie Foster. Oh. I was talking about Mark David Chapman. That's the man who shot John Lennon. Got it. If I would. I was about to say, oh, he's the one who shot John Lennon. So. This, Were you about yeah. the, uh, about my guy? Yeah, yeah. There, the three name guys. It's hard, and then the ones who everybody theorizes are actually government robots. <gasps> Do they? Yeah, that's both of those guys. There's oh. a, there's a lot of theorizing that it's like an MK Ultra situation. Like the nerdiest fuck guys, you just like kind of get them mixed up. It's he. They definitely are both in the nerd group. If yeah. this was the mess Westminster Dog like, uh, show, one of them has. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I want to pause for a moment to acknowledge you, that. Thank you. Instead of going on to saying that which one had uh, Catcher in the Rye in his back pocket, which is like the best book ever if you're in high school. That was Mark David Chapman. Okay. I, I, yes, because he's the one that shot John Lennon. Right. And, and he like, had John Lennon sign Catcher in the Rye. Of right. Which is just like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> calm, calm down. I mean, Jesus. Like, Come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Oh, yeah. What else? 
that mistake also <laughs> kind of in the same vein um when you were talking about sam shepherd and you told that story i began to confuse sam shepherd with with um dr jeffrey mcdonald who also killed his whole yes. family or is suspected of he's the one with the there was saying there's three crazy people they like to say these things yes your guy uh sam shepherd was in the early 60s uh-huh. my guy that i was thinking you were talking about was in 69 mm-hmm. and so the whole time that's why at one point in that episode i was like what year was it because i was like there could I in my mind there's no way there could be two doctors who killed their whole families and yeah. were like and like guilty or like suspected and also equally not suspected. and got away well this is sham shepherd sham shepherd's the one sham sham he's a sham <laughs> sam shepherd's the one who got kind of famous afterwards yeah and like was it kind of a douche I right mean, they were both but and uh uh and they both they both didn't kill their children who were sleeping in the bedroom next to where they killed their wives. Mm-hmm. I fi- well, I don't want to agree because I allegedly not sure. killed their wives. All right, uh, but Dr. Jeffrey McDonald is the one who Fatal Vision is about, and who is also the one who the Errol Morris new novel that's basically a refuting fatal vision Hmm. is about wait so refuting saying that he did or didn't do it fatal vision was basically uh joe mcginnis making friends with jeffrey mcdonald and then being like here's how he did it Mm -hmm. and then when er like in errol morris's book which i just got a book on tape of um they basically break down how it was just super mishandled and like mm-hmm. it was just they were trying to make money helter skelter style Got it. and it was you know the whole thing was kind of <sighs> unfairly presented i guess okay but i have to listen to the whole thing before i i sure do love to talk about things i don't no, know that i much feel about. like you shouldn't listen let's hear it now <laughs> let's just theorize no. much like when i talked about scuba diving and i said that you have to have a partner because there's no way you can check your things. Yeah. Well, of course, then I everyone mean, on Twitter's like, yes, you can check your who things. Cares? It's not like someone's going to be like under the water. What and if be they like, did, though? <laughs> Karen said, like, that's, you didn't need to correct that. You know what I mean? I mean, here's the thing, though. It's those little lies. Yeah. It's the same one as I said that my dad got chemotherapy three times a week. And then I thought about it this morning. I'm like, he got it once a week. Then <laughs> he got it for like, you know, eight, I don't know, three week, three months or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but just as I talk, it's just all like blah, blah, blah. But you sound so confident about I it. I know. Like I, I am very I wouldn't. Confident. No. <laughs> I want to apologize to you for for correcting you so vehemently and cockily. Cockily? Mm-hmm. About not saying the word hobo anymore. Oh yeah, but that, the audience was already making that sound. Oh, they were. Uh-huh. But, mm, but, oh, but oh, we don't. I can't, I think Thanks. so. Okay. Um, well, it shouldn't but come from Thank me. you for apologizing. Yeah. I just did. Uh, transient. I was, transient. Spell it. But T- why though? Oh. I just need a good reason. Because hobo is uh, just a. It's a negative term that that um, that insinuates that i don't know it's just it's slang so what i don't know <laughs> don't ask me why just, <laughs> well i'm just saying i'm not going to change it until i get the reason okay. sex worker is because prostitute is a negative and it actually makes people when people see the word they immediately judge the person and like lessen that the then. value that 
I, I, hobo, oh, how? Okay. Though? I don't know. I just want to know. I'm sure there's someone out there that knows. I bet they're going to tell us. Yeah, okay. I'd love to know. Okay. Because maybe it's like host stands for this and Bo stands for that type yeah. of thing. I want to know what it is, though. Yeah. Because I feel like in this day and age, there's things people can't do, and it's just because some other person decided we're not doing that anymore. Yes. And I don't like that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think it sounds really dismissive of the, the circle. Like, but I get it that it's just because I've heard that before. It's just like, that old hobo, you know what I mean? It's just, it's dismissive of the I say it with love in my heart. <laughs> sounds I pretty rad. It like, it's a guy with a hole in his boot. Yeah. That's going to cook up can of beans over a fire. <laughs> it's all fun. Good. Um, uh, did you hear about the chick in Seattle? And I'm sure you did because every single person in the world tweeted it at us. But the girl who was running in the park in Seattle in Ballard, which is like a nice little community, who got attacked in the, pri- in the bathroom, in the public bathroom in the park, which I'm terrified of those. And she's, yeah, she fucking fought him and said, not today, motherfucker. And here's the gray area is like, you don't want to say how badass she is because there's, that's sending the message that you should always fight once, you know, that's, it's just such a situational thing and like reading the situation. So you don't want to be like, beat the shit out of the person attacking you because that could be the absolute wrong thing to do in that situation. I say in all of these scenarios, anything in life is a case by case situation. Right. And just because we're saying it out loud doesn't mean it's a rule of any kind. No, nobody needs to hear that in particular, but, uh, yeah. Also, if you, if you, I think in a situation like that, those bathrooms, it's like a secluded, she knows she's secluded in a park and then even more so yeah. in that bathroom. It's a man inside the woman's bathroom. That's, there's nothing about this that can be turned around. So go for it. Yeah, that's true. Go for it. You yeah. know, you know, as a human being, when you are in real danger, right? That's, then just allow those instincts to take over. I think I would say, yeah, I think it's all instinctual. I don't think any, it's any thinking at that point. Right. Well, fuck man. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that like, I think, didn't she say she had taken a self-defense class? And so that's what, where that came from is just yeah. like, cause that's the thing they teach you is you just start fucking yelling. Well, the thing I really did like about it, and the, I think what I took away from it is that she, at one point, she, you know, she was fighting him. And at one point she thought in her mind, this doesn't have to be a fair fight. And she, so, in yeah. her, you know, wasn't like wrestling. It was then she said, I started clawing at his face. Yes. And I think that 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 to me kind of hit me because it was like, this doesn't have to be civil. This can be fucking out of control. Yes. If there is someone in the bathroom that came into the bathroom to harm you or touch you in any way yeah. that you don't want to happen, you go, the knee goes to the nuts, uh-huh. the fingers go to the eyes, mm-hmm. and you fucking go for it, animal style, like yeah. they serve it in and out. You fucking go for it. <laughs> yeah. Put some fucking Thousand Island on that, you on that motherfucker. <laughs> put that Thousand melt. Island beat down. You melt that cheese on top of that beat down, girl. And you fucking put some... Sauteed onions and some fucking Thousand Island beat down. Do you, it's the it's called the Not Today Motherfucker Special, and you give it, you serve it up for free, animal style. Yeah, a hundred percent. Bon appetit, motherfucker. We, <laughs> we have to take a class so we can talk about actual. Let's I want to do, do it really bad. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I think the reason that I hesitate if I'm going to be totally honest, is because you know those suits that they make the people put on so that you can attack them? Or the ones that the dog attacks, like to have the dog attack you? Yeah, but I'm specifically talking about the ones where the guy has to stand there, but there's like a grate in front of his face, but everything else is pads. I'm scared of that. 
of that character or putting that on. It looks like a it looks like an off-brand Michelin man. It looks like the Michelin man in Malaysia. And I don't it that in and of itself is like horrifying. I think oh it would God. like stop me in my tracks. Maybe it would make you fight him more. Maybe, maybe your maybe. instincts will kick in and you'll be like, well, I can do this. Maybe I'm afraid that my animal animal instincts will kick in and I'll pull that fucking grate out of the face and then in in with the fingers and the eyes. Yeah. Then I get sued. Well, maybe you should. Hey. You know what? Why is this creepy guy teaching this class anyways? Like, what's really his motive? Now he has your address because you had to fill out a thing. Now he has my credit card number. And your address. And he's going to Taco Del Taco every night on my dime. I know. That's bullshit. Literal dime. Who is this? Tuesday nights. You can get so much stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I fucking hit that place so hard. And Vince is out of town. Went to, I went to. Oh, my God. Do you was, drive there? Yeah. <laughs> You mean mean because it's down the street from me? <laughs> it's not. It's it's not super close. I Wait, wouldn't say it's super close. I drove home and went there, but I did go out of my way to go to Carl's Jr. like the day before. Nice. It's that fucking when the dogs away, the you know the animals. Yep. I bet stuff. you're farting all over this apartment hey! too. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> That's the fun of it. And you clean all up and you put on one of your nicer house dresses. Yeah. You're like, welcome home. Oh, look how normal I am. Look, I made you a casserole. <laughs> you married a normal wife. Way to go. Totally normal. Mm. Wiping like weird beans out of the corner of your mouth. <laughs> Thousand Island. <laughs> um, uh, anything else? Those were all my mistakes. <laughs> That's it. Uh, bless me, Father Fryson. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since your last episode oh, of My Favorite Murder? It's been, I mean, it's probably been 10, a good 10 years since my since last confession. Since you've been confession. to confession? Yeah. I was always, I've always been creeped out by confession. It I, is. As a Jewish person, I'm like, fuck it. No. It's super weird. And the fact that they uh, introduce it to you when you're in third grade yeah. is the creepiest part because you, they explain it to you. And for me, the type of person I was, which is hating to do anything I've never done before. I couldn't get anybody to explain it enough to me. Yeah. Plus you have to memorize, you have to have the, um, our father, the hail Mary and the act of contrition all memorized perfectly. So if you're in there and it's your line, like you can't drop a line. You're like, I just learned my ABCs. Yes. I'm like, can you rush out? Calm down. <laughs> like adding and subtracting. Yeah. And now I'm like, you have to recite an incantation to like just the shadow of a man's <laughs> face behind. It is the oldest looking inside those. And things. who the fuck is he? Does he have your address? Your it's home address? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's, why did he want my child's credit card? Why did he fucking? Who is he to say? <laughs> who is he to take my hard earned credit in third grade? Yeah, uh, it's really crazily creepy. What's cool about Hebrew when you're like doing the prayers and stuff is that. A, they write it in, like phonetically, so you can like just oh. follow that, and also they, um, you can just kind of make noise. Oh, because the whole congregation singing it at once, so you can just kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's pretty great. That is good. So I don't know. Do you? When's the last time you went to temple? Oh my, years and years and years. Oh no. I don't Do you ever have the holiday thing where you're like, oh, it's. Oh yeah, we go. We have holiday dinners. We get together for holidays, but and we'll say a couple of the prayers, but we don't. But you don't take it into that temple, make no, it official. No, we're right. very chill. Right, right. But I did have a bat mitzvah. Did, I was, you, did you stack that paper? Uh, kind of. I was bat mitzvahed by a lesbian. 
Nice move. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. That's really, really orange, like opposite Orange County of you. Yeah, I like that. They don't really do stuff like that down there. No. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Anyways. It's surprising that you were a Jew in Orange County. There weren't a lot of us. I bet. We had temple in a church. What? <laughs> and we had Sunday school. I mean, we had Hebrew school in a Sunday school. So there was just like Jesus posters all over the wall. <laughs> They're like, you have an hour and no more. Yeah. Baruchata. Get it out of the way. Goodbye. Yeah. We don't support what you're doing. Shalom. Get the fuck out of here. How, hey, how about take a look at this New Testament? <laughs> That's where all the action is. <laughs> so this is a podcast about true crime. Who was, let's see, who went first at the last show? The live show? Steven? You did. I went first. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah, Molly. So it's me. Yeah. <clears throat> what? I'm just, I, everything's becoming a blur. Oh, why? Well, in what way? I just, if you had made me guess just now, it wouldn't be like a cute for the show thing. I had absolutely not only no idea who went first or last, I couldn't remember if it was a live show or a pre-recorded in this room show. I, I get it. <laughs> like, I'm not you there. Better. <laughs> I'm not there either. I'm far away. Okay. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. So this, interestingly enough, I got this murder from one of my last packs of true crime baseball cards that Stephen gave us for Christmas last year. I keep forgetting to look at those. Here's what I'm doing. So, uh, my new thing, because it's spring, is I just keep cleaning out drawers in my house, or like containers. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. It feels good. I've also been wiping down walls, which is a really weird hypnotic thing to do. Like with the magic eraser? Yes. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with those. Exactly that, because I didn't realize I had done look around in yeah. my house that much yeah but there are walls you quoted look around like <laughs> open my eyeballs you like don't put your glasses on Just when like, you go in your be house in my own home in any real <laughs> present way i get it um because i have two dogs and one is a short to the ground dog i didn't see that there are many walls in my house that look like the end of the Blair Witch where there's just a bunch of child hands, like (laughs) dirty fingerprints that look like people are trying to climb in or out of the house. Because he jumps up? Yeah, like they jump and and also the the paint on the wall is old and it's really powdery and porous instead of the opposite. I have that too and it feels like chalk. Yes. You need, I need semi-gloss or I will lose my mind. Because with this other shit, you walk by and say the word dirt and there's a smudge on your wall. It is maddening. So, anyway, I but I looked, I realized how much I got used to it because I was like, that looks like a crime scene. Like it looks weird. Yeah. Like like somebody tiny tried to pull their way along the wall. But it's just Frank like running out of one room and curbing, and like his <laughs> little feet go up on the wall to get clonking anyway. into the wall. Why am I talking about? Oh, because so. <laughs> so I clean. So in on top of those. Things, okay. <laughs> just me and my free time. Wow. Uh, also cleaning out some drawers, found two more packets nice. of the true crime, which I thought I was done with all of them. So I got super excited. Open one up. Found this murder. Had never heard it. Oh, I think I'd heard of it, but just like didn't really know any details or any specifics. Can we really quickly, and I just thought of this for you saying, did, is that where you got the Papan sisters that, from like two episodes ago? Because no. I want to talk about the gift we got that the girl gave us at one of the yes. live shows. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, Should we just do it now? Yeah. yeah. She, okay. You guys remember the Papan sisters? They clawed the eyeballs out of their fucking mistresses. And this girl brought us a little packet and there was a uh, a little necklace in it that said, they're not marble. They're not marbles. Yes. And there was a little locket that had the Papan sisters photograph in. And then there was like a handmade, um, like clay eyeball. Yes. And it was just like the most well thought out gift, I think. Like these three little almost charms in a box that but no then, one would get if yes. you didn't know. And then we like opening it up and looking at them. Did we each get one or is that we had one and it's going up into the no, podcast? No, we, we each got one. Okay. I can't believe that. So she made two eyes, two charm, two lockets, two. Um, and I don't think I knew how to express to her like, how an eye was of it and yes. she acted like oh you know stupid and it's like yeah. no no we were like this is amazing yeah. we can't we never get to do that because we kind of feel that way About i think people see us saying it a lot but it yeah. really is true when somebody is like here's this thing i know you really like yeah and that's like i didn't make it it's, 
Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. And it was, it's just a really good little eyeball too. That's sitting it there. Is a good eyeball. All right. Crazy. Sorry. No. So no problem. It's weird that you asked that though, because the Papan sisters were in this deck. Oh my God. Yes. What are the chances? I almost, I should have done it. I almost sent you a picture when I <gasps> opened it and they were like the third people in, I should have taken the picture and sent it on our constant text thread that me, Stephen, and Georgia are just never not on now. Yeah, That's our it's, life. Oh, it's photos. It's fucking quotes. It's, it's Stephen going, they've asked you seven times. You have to answer. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's our life. Yep. Anyhow. So I found this here and then in, uh, in my research, it exploded and flowered out into something else, which I just am kind of amazed by. Okay. Okay. So here's how we start. It's the Axeman of New Orleans. You know that one? No. Okay. So he was a serial killer who struck in the city of New Orleans from May 1918 through October of 1919. He attacked, obviously, using an axe that he found in the home. He didn't bring anything with him. Each time he starts... Okay, tell me. Yes. So it's it's the... turn of the century so a lot of people have axes laying around the outside of their house and a lot of the places where he attacked um uh well and here he sometimes did it with a straight razor but mostly with an axe oh which one is worse straight razor (gasps) straight razor's fast i don't think you'd even feel it i think you'd be like why is my neck cold in this one tiny place i I don't want i want no i want to be clunked over the head and fucking out okay then you want an axe. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Which then is we're going to put you in an axe. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I think that's what it is because straight razor, you would, but I, you'd bleed out so fast because it's just across the neck. I don't know if you would. I mean, you definitely have time to look around panic. Don't want that. <laughs> so the, what's worse to me is a straight razor. Okay. And what's worse to you is You just, you want to be out. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So here's what happened. This guy uh would use the tools that he found in the home he would kill the whole family and he would hang out either before or after they can't they couldn't figure out before or after oftentimes eating so they could have invited him in could have um usually the home is found locked when the police get there oh my god um and it's never robbed even though most of the time the people have valuables out very pre- very openly, mm-hmm. whatever. Never, ever any sign of robbery. And oftentimes, mirrors and faces are covered with fabric. Creepy. Yes. Um, okay, so it starts on May 22nd, 1918. So a grocer named Joseph Maggio um, was sleeping alongside his wife, Catherine, at their home on the corner of Upper Line and Magnolia Streets, for people that live in New Orleans. Um, so a guy breaks into their house. He cuts their throats with a straight razor. And upon leaving, he bashes their heads in with an axe. Oh, man. So he found both in So house. you don't even need to choose. That's right. <laughs> like, Here's where to take that off your plate. I don't even need to ask you that Don't question. even worry about it Steven, anymore. Cut it's that fine. out. Because you are going to feel both quickly and then, but it's over anyway. Yeah. Uh, Catherine's throat was cut so deep that her head was nearly severed. Oh, I from her hate that. That's bad. Um, and okay. see, that's the thing is like in those, um, mafia movies and stuff, when the guys get lean back and get at the barber to get shaved yes. and the barber has the straight razor yeah. and off times yep. in an, if it's a movie, they'll cut their throat for a totally. reason. But that 
like bond of trust that you would have to have with that man because they're doing that to you. But I feel like a lot of times in movies I've seen the the you know the guy would lean back to get shaved, close his eyes, and then the and then the the mafia guy would trade the places with the barber. So the barber didn't do it. He was just a neighborhood dude. Yeah, but he stepped out of his place. He didn't he didn't retain his duty as the barber and to would have fight had, and defend listen, your life. He has a family to worry about. He it, he took the oath. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> For a moment, I was like, what? Oh, oh fuck. That's yeah. right. The barber's oath. The barber's oath. <laughs> I mean, there's probably. Uh, okay. In the apartment, the police found bloody the bloody clothes of the murderer. <laughs> so he changed into a clean set of clothes before he left, uh, which is the, in, like, also reflects back to him just chilling out, like, this committing these terrible murders and yeah. then just hanging out. Really? Um, so... They didn't, investigators didn't do a complete search of the premises um, after the bodies were removed. So later on, that bloody razor was found on a neighbor's lawn. And that razor that was used to kill the couple belonged to Andrew Maggio, who's the brother of the of Joseph, the grocer who was murdered in his bed. Mm-hmm. And Andrew owned a barber shop. Um, the, they were brothers. Weird. They were brothers, okay. yeah. And those brothers are the people that found Joseph and his wife, Catherine, mm-hmm. because they were, like, staying at home and not answering the phone or whatever, not okay. doing what they were supposed to be doing. And the three brothers went over there and found their bodies. Fuck. Um, so, do his employee, Andrew's employee, Esteban Torres, told the police that Maggio had removed the razor from his shop two days prior to the murder, explaining that he wanted to have a nick honed from the blade. So the razor was out of the barber shop mm-hmm. and had got like gotten to get fixed somewhere. So any it's just out of the it's in the mix now, I guess okay. is what there is the point of that. Maggio, who lived in the adjoining apartment to his brother's residence, discovered the gruesome scene two hours after the attacks occurred. Um, and he blamed his failure to hear any noise related to the attacks. Um in the early morning hours on his being drunk because he had returned home the night before um, from a celebration due to his departure to join the Navy. Police, however, were um, surprised that he failed to hear the intruder as he did make a forced entry into the home. Uh, So then Andrew Maggio, the brother of Joseph, became the police chief's prime suspect, um, but then he was released when uh, investigators were convinced that his alibi held up. Um, he also told police that there was an unknown man uh, seen lurking near the residence prior to the murders. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so then, so that was May 22nd. Um, about a month later on June 27th, uh, in the early morning hours, Louise Bezumer and his, oh, Louis, sorry, Louis Besume, let's say that because they're all French back there in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, Louis Besume and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, were attacked in the quarters at the back of his grocery store. This is grocer number two. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Um, Besume was struck in the, uh, with a hatchet above his right temple, which resulted in a possible skull fracture. Mm. Uh, and Harriet was hacked over the left ear and found unconscious when the police arrived. They were discovered shortly after 7 a.m. in the morning um, by John Zanka, who was the bakery uh, truck driver, and he came to the grocery to to make a delivery, and then he found both uh, Louis Besame and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, in a puddle of their own blood, um, and the axe which had belonged to Besame was found in the bathroom of Uh-oh. the apartment. Um, 
so Bessame, so they lived and they, uh, he explained to the police that he'd been sleeping. He was bashed with a hatchet and then police arrest Louis Obacon, who was a 41 year old African American man who had been employed in Bessame's store weeks before the attacks, but there was no evidence, um, that proved that the man was guilty or even related to this, but the uh, police arrested him nonetheless, uh, stating that he had there were had, that he had offered conflicting accounts of where he was the night of the murder, or the morning of the murder. Um, so then, shortly after that, Harriet Lowe stated that she remembered um, having been attacked by a light-skinned black man, um, but her statement was discounted by the police because of her head injury and because she was the mistress. She wasn't an upstanding wife. Oh, man. Um, and robbery was said to be the explanation and what uh, Obacon's uh, motive was, except for nothing was removed from um, from the Besume best mace home right uh so essentially what ends up happening is um <laughs> who knows uh can that be heard did you hear it but i think it'll be like the ghost train just kind of faintly <laughs> there's a, ch- a child screeching that was like a bone chilling yeah m- scream though should i throw something at the, <laughs> off the balcony at them those little fuckers <laughs> um Mrs. Harriet Lowe then then starts to become like sensationalized in the newspaper. She can't stop talking to the press. She's criticizing the police, and then at one point, and this is the mistress. This is the mistress. They got clocked in the head, and they keep making a story about it because he basically got caught with his mistress and was still married. And and this is the story. And not, this is the story. Not the not the murder. Fucking murderer. Um. Well, it was all just in constantly in the paper, right? The Times Picayune sensationalized Lowe in her outspoken nature upon discovering that she was not the wife of Bessemer, but a mistress. A charity hospital source discovered the scandal when Bessemer asked to be directed to the room of Mrs. Harriet Lowe and was inevitably denied access as no woman by that name was a patient. Mm-mm. So it's like he's not a relative. He can't visit her. Um, then, then his legal wife arrived from Cincinnati, Cincinnati in, uh, a couple days after the discovery and then which further inflamed the ongoing drama and she was pissed as fuck and she was like I'll kill both y'all um two days later you just take that out please two days later <laughs> Bessemer was released um and the two lead investigators get demoted for um unacceptable police work yes um but then Bessemer is uh, arrested in August 1918 um, as Harriet Lowe, who is dying in a charity hospital after a failed heart surgery, states that it was Louis who attacked her um, <gasps> with the hatchet. Louis being the brother. No, no, no. Louis Bessemer is the, is the grocer, is the guy that also got attacked. Okay. She basically is like, he did it, okay. whatever. All right. Um, but he was acquitted it, after 10 minutes. There was no proof. And it was, they knew she was just kind of this lunatic. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. At least that's the story that okay. I got. Um, okay. So then August 5th, 1918, a 28-year-old woman named Mrs. Schneider, who was eight months pregnant, mm-hmm. was attacked in the early evening of her um, hours on her house in Elmira Street. She awoke to find a dark figure standing over here, her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Her scalp was cut open. Her face was completely covered in blood. Oh um, she was discovered after midnight by her husband who had been re- returning from work. Um, 
and she was still alive and she claimed that she remembered nothing of the attack she gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days after the incident which is crazy um nothing had been stolen from the home um even though there was cash left out um the windows and doors uh were not forced open and um they put together that she was attacked with a lamp on an on like a bedside oh, table. Don't fucking attack pregnant people. I mean, I mean, don't attack anyone. But like this guy, this guy really wants to attack everyone. Yeah, as you will come to find out. Okay. So, uh, all right. So then, five days later, on August tenth, Joseph Romano, who's an elderly man living with his two nieces, um, the the two nieces hear him make a noise in his room in their uh, house that they live in together and they go in and discover that their uncle had taken a serious blow to the head um he has so two huge cuts in his head and they see the guy fleeing the scene as they walk in but they can't tell if he uh is thin or fat if he is dark skinned or light skinned they can't really say anything for sure they both have conflicting views um, and even though this old man was seriously injured, he could walk to the ambulance, but he still died two days later Aww. because of the severe head trauma. Um, nothing was stolen. Um, they found a bloody axe in the backyard and they discovered that a panel had been chiseled out of the back door mm-hmm. and that's how he was getting into these houses. He was like, just like going up to the back door and like basically just making a little, like, like prying it open, essentially like chiseling but- a spot open and then going in and unlocking it. I think someone would hear that. Yeah, but it's they're all asleep. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. the way you whispered that. Tip, 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 tap, tip, tap. But you, I still think you would have heard that. I mean, you would hope. You would hope that you right. Would. These guys didn't. Um. So then, at this point, a man named John D'Antonio, who was a retired Italian detective, started making public statements in which he hypothesized about this man who had committed these Axeman murders, and he described the potential killer as an individual of dual personalities who killed without motive. And um, he said that it could very likely be a normal law-abiding citizen who would be who was often overcome by an overwhelming desire to kill. And he later went on to describe the killer as a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I just can't even. Yeah. Okay. So then on March 10th, um, 1919. So about six months later, uh, eight months later, Charles, um, court Miglia, um, an immigrant who lived with his wife and baby on the corner of Jefferson and second street, uh, in Gretna, Louisiana, which is a suburb of New Orleans. Um, there's screams coming from their house. And so grocer Orlando Giordano rushes across the street to investigate. And he sees that, um, Charles Cordomiglia, his wife, Rosie and their infant daughter had all been attacked by the unknown intruder. Mm. Um, Rosie stood in the doorway with a head wound, um, clutching her deceased daughter. No. So this axe-wielding motherfucker just goes in and kills everybody, no matter their age. Uh, I guess it sounds like you have to be a grocer of some kind that qualifies you, or Italian. But um, just kills everybody in the room, like in the apartment or in the what room. What the fuck? It's super crazy. Okay. Um, and again, nothing. No, they weren't robbed. Um, it ain't about that. Yeah. Nothing, nothing stolen. The back door was chiseled. The bloody axe was found on the back porch. He like does it and then just would leave it and walk oh away. Oh my God. I can't wait to find out who this motherfucker is. Okay. So then 
the police are sent a letter or a letter gets published in the newspaper. <clears throat> I don't know the order of how it got sent, but this is what it said. It said it was a postmarked from hell, <laughs> March 13th, 1919. It reads esteemed mortal. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I'm not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish policemen call the ax man. <clears throat> When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe be smeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I have I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph. But but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axe man. I don't think there's any need of such warning, for I feel the police will always, always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep all away from harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Oh. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whom a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday what night, the fuck? if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native uh, Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping thou will publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy, the axe man. Jesus, he's chatty. And My also, God. So it reminds me of Richard Ramirez's big speech in mm -hmm. court where mm -hmm. he's just like, I am the, where it's that thing of like, you know, it, he is not just a man anymore. He's like become a God and all that kind of psychotic stuff. Yes. Very psychotic. But also very biblical. Oh yeah. But also the, yeah. And the whole thing, the whole time I was like, well, the more you talk, the more, the more you write and the more information you give, you're just giving away and you're more clues. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. But, but do, doesn't it seem like he has a bit of a, like, cause isn't that essentially the story of Passover? Oh yeah. You'll pass over. You'll pass over the house if they have jazz music. playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Isn't that why you guys have so much fun on Passover? We have the best time. No, I was like, this is written by a fucking, a record label exec. Who's like, <laughs> Wants his jazz music to be playing. Playing? People who do not jazz it on Tuesday night. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's our new, like, Tuesday night club at whatever bar. We gotta jazz it. Jazz it. And nobody likes jazz, so everyone's, like, a little unhappy. Yeah, but it's like, well, we'll kill you if you well, don't come. Well, we, we just gotta do it. Just get through these next 15 minutes. <laughs> well, apparently so. Everyone jazzed it on that Tuesday night, and no one was killed. Shut up. Yeah, it actually worked. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... But then, of course, 
as it always as it always does. It always but thens. There's so many but thens. August 10th, Steve Boca, a grocer, is attacked in his bedroom as he sleeps. Wait, by- is he really purposely getting grocers? Well, yes, because they all are. Um, they. Man, what a bummer. Sell I mean, your, sell it's, your so, business. it's so specific, but it's, um, they say grocer here, but I also think it means people who keep stores. So it's okay. like, sometimes it's a guy that has, um, like a grocery store and a bar or type a of place or some kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean like the big thing of lettuce that's on the sidewalk per yeah. se. Green, a green grocer, they used to call them. Right. The green grocer. But there, it is people that own stores. Weird. Super fucking weird. Um, okay. So then. He he wakes in the night, finds a dark figure looming over him. When he regains consciousness, he runs into the street, um, finds that his head has been cracked open. Uh, What what if you found that? (laughs) I found found my head to be cracked open. You know what? I need help here. So he goes to his neighbor's house, uh, collapses. Then, um, Then the neighbor calls the police. Nothing's taken from the home. A panel on the back door had been chiseled away. Um, Boca recovered from his injuries, but he had, again, no memory. Mm-mm. And that's every single person that survives knows nothing about what happened. Yeah. Head injuries. Uh, September 13th, it happens again. Sarah Lawman was attacked on the night of September 13th. Her neighbors came to check on her um, because she lived alone. Uh and they hadn't seen her in a while. They broke into her house when she didn't answer and discovered the 19-year-old lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury, mm. missing several teeth. Ooh, this guy goes straight for the fucking... Right to the face. And noggin. They, yeah, they say that all of the injuries were um, neck, head, and only a couple had uh, on their defensive wounds on right. their arms. Most of them, he would just get in there and chop very precisely. Weird. And sometimes he would obliterate the face of the man. And sometimes he would rape the wife. All right. Oh. Um, but here, so uh, <laughs> bloody axes discovered on the front lawn. She recovered from her injuries. Could no not remember idea. anything. Yeah. October 27th, Mike Pepitone oh. <laughs> is attacked. Did you ask Eddie Pepitone? I put in a call. He won't talk to me. <laughs> um, that would be amazing. I've never heard that last name before. I know. Anywhere. I know. Um, so he sees... His wife is awakened by a noise and walks into uh, the bedroom, walks to the bedroom door just as a large axe wielding man is fleeing the scene. Oh my God. Mike had been struck in the head, was covered in his own blood. Blood spatter covered the majority of the room. Mm. Um, but the, but Mrs. Pepitone is unable to explain any of the killers, describe the killer in any way. <clears throat> I did read something that said Mrs. Pepitone, Mrs. Pepitone went on to shoot the man she believed uh, was standing there. So this is a different story than the end of this one, which is basically she didn't know and she had nothing to explain yeah. to say to the cops. There's another story that said Mrs. Pepitone knew who it was and after um, her husband uh, like a couple weeks after the murder, um, uh, she shot the man in the street and then the murder stopped happening. <gasps> uh, that's right. You know, who knows? Yeah. And then she herself was convicted of murder and was in jail for 10 years. What the shit? Who knows about any of that? So, okay. So that's the, those are, that's the full realm of the, um, of the ax man of new Orleans murders. Okay. But then I watched a documentary on the YouTube that was actually very good, although it seemed very, like, kind of homemade, self-produced. The guy that was narrating it, 
I don't think his British accent was his original accent of life. <laughs> of life. It had a little bit of this feel to it. It was, um, what's the word when you try too hard? You're an actor? Yep. It was had a real actor feel. Effect. Affected? Affected. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's really good. Good information. I could be totally wrong about the accent. Um, it also doesn't mean it's not real. Good. That's right. But here's the thing. Every once in a while, it's like a 50-minute documentary. And every once in a while, when he's talking about a different fact, there'll just be like a, a sound effect of screaming. <laughs> so it's just like almost like haunted house style. Like, like our podcast <laughs> is with the children <laughs> screaming outside. I guess it is effective. Um so it's not, you know, affected and effective. It's affecting. It's affected. Okay. This documentary basically theorizes that the Axeman of New Orleans actually was killing for long before the New Orleans attacks mm -hmm. and after. And he, so they just start saying because from 1879 to 1922 in America, there were lots and lots of axe murderers where a guy broke into the house by chiseling the back door chiseling. That's in the middle of the night, killing an entire family, not robbing them, using their own axe wow. to do it with, eating before or after, hanging out in the house, Usually a farmer, usually it's like a whole family and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere where it takes a couple days. Rural? Brutal as fuck. No, ru rural. Rural. Oh, rural. <laughs> rural. Brutal rural. rural. The brutal rural murderers. Yeah. Okay, so... And this is just, so the guy's just basically saying these aren't, this is so long ago and this is like pre any of the like perce, you know, police procedural knowledge that we have now. Yeah. There, there also could be more and people just haven't connected the fact, but okay. So in 1879, an elderly couple, <clears throat> um, this is somewhere in Georgia. It's a rainy night. They're attacked, almost decapitated. Um, and when the police investigate the crime scene, they find that someone had been hiding in an upstairs room for a minimum of two days <gasps> because there was smoke cigarettes and human feces mm. in there. So someone had snuck into their house, hung out, and then waited Fuck, man. for the nighttime. Right, I always want to live in a small house. I don't want there to be rooms that just don't get looked into. Yeah, no attics. Uh uh. No. You could also you could also like release, you know. I don't know, some kind of super dangerous animal every night just oh. to take a, r a run around the house. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say cobra, but that'd be too scary. Uh, how about a, a cross-eyed Siamese cat? Yeah, that, he's very intimidating. <laughs> um, so this is, it was their axe. The axe was left in the fireplace. There was no robbery, uh, even though there was a stash of silver on like the kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Five years later, in 1884, in Austin, Texas, a woman named Molly Smith is attacked in her bed with an axe, and then the attacker pulls her outside into the backyard, rapes her, and murders her outside. <clears throat> Weird. Several months later, Eliza Shelley is also murdered with an axe. Her head is split open. Um... And on that one, the police noted that none of the dogs in the neighborhood barked. Mm -hmm. And there were dogs that were tied up right next door. And they didn't bark or have a reaction of any kind the entire night. So it was a silent night on both of those nights. Weird. And that freaked the police out really bad. Because it's like, usually, you just get a little something. People that like, oh, always... That, that <laughs> note always freaks me out. Because it's clearly someone that the dogs know. Yes. 
it's and just, then doing kind of doing their groundwork. Yeah. To like make sure the dogs are like he's going to throw them food or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's So four more people are killed in this same way, slaughtered in their beds <clears throat> with their own axe. Um no robbery. Um the weapons left in the house uh, until Christmas Eve of 1885. A couple is attacked, and um, the bloodhound could couldn't get a scent. Like they they gave the, the bloodhound a thing to smell that was from the axe left behind, and they couldn't get a scent. And That's they were weird. like the best bloodhounds around, or whatever. So again, it was that thing where the cops were like, maybe this is a demon, like <gasps> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or I guess this was before, so they would be like, huh, maybe some demon's gonna write us a letter in 15 years. Right. Um, oh, also, here in, in like a couple other places, they found bare footprints in Ew. the blood. Oh, <gasps> uh-huh. weird. In 1897, this is 12 years later now, up in uh, Paradise Ridge, Tennessee, the Aid family, um, a neighbor sees the Aid family farmhouse on fire, and so he uh, goes over to see what's happening, and not only is their house on fire, but their barn and a couple of other um, buildings on their ranch. And when they put the fire out, they find the entire family has been murdered mm-hmm. with an axe. Um, the parents... Uh, the uh, their daughter who was in her 20s the son who was 13 and a neighbor girl who was 10 i don't think that's him what's that i don't think it's him that one um the killer ate uh either before or after the killing he hung out in the house um and the neighbor girl they think the way they traced it she got away and he caught her, killed her, and threw her back into the burning oh house. Oh, my God. Uh, 14 years after that, um, in, I cannot see what that says, something Oregon, near Portland. Mm-hmm. It's near Portland. All right. The Hill family is murdered in their house. The children are murdered in their beds. It's Everything is exactly the same. So it's, uh, it's just basically they've pulled all these yeah. crimes where like an entire family, no robbery, axe, head wounds. All of it. A month after that, um, in Rainier, Washington, uh, Archie Cobble and his wife are murdered in their bed with an axe. Oh, my God. Um, in 1911, in Colorado Springs, um, a man walks into the home of Alice Bunchen, I think it says, uh-huh. uh, and murdered her and her six-year-old daughter and, and her three-year-old son. And when her sister went to visit, she found the bodies. She ran outside and screamed for help, and everybody in the neighborhood came running, except the family that lived next door, the Wayne family. Mm-mm. And so they went to check on them, and the wife, husband, and one-year-old baby had all been slaughtered <gasps> in their beds, oh, and no. then the beds were made up after them, like the kill her, killer had killed them and then tuck them back oh, into bed. Oh, that's horrifying. Um, so it looked like they were sleeping. Both of those cases, no robbery. Both houses were locked from the inside. 13 days after that, in Monmouth, Illinois, the first Presbyterian um, church is not open f- for the service on Sunday, so everybody calls the caretaker who doesn't answer. They go to the caretaker's house. Um, and he... Sorry, Mr. Danson is the caretaker. He, his wife, and their teen daughter are murdered in their beds. There's no robbery. Two weeks later, in Ellsworth, Kansas, Ellsworth, Kansas, um, 
the Sherman family hasn't been seen for a while. A neighbor that's worried about them because they weren't answering their phone goes to visit all five of the Shermans have been murdered with an ax in their house. The police found the ax and the phone um, was wrapped with a uh, piece of someone's clothing was wrapped around the phone hmm. and <clears throat> they the police later realized that it was probably because the neighbor was calling over and over and <gasps> so he wrapped that so he wouldn't have to hear the phone to ring. silence it yeah creepy yes um two weeks later in mount pleasant iowa um Mr. J.B. Jordan leaves for work. He doesn't lock the kitchen door. Their eldest son is upstairs. He hears his mother scream. He runs downstairs and finds that she's been attacked in her bed with an axe. Um, uh, she has an injury to her head, but she survives, but if, remembers nothing. Nothing is, they're not robbed, and um, nobody sees anything. Mm -hmm. Eight months later in Paola, Kansas, a young couple in their early 20s, the Hudsons, hadn't been seen. Neighbors checked. They're murdered in their bed. And that night, um, a family in the same town wakes to the sound of a lamp crashing to the floor. And uh, the father goes downstairs to see what it is and he sees a man leaving their house oh my god um less than a week later and i, I think i'm pronouncing this right in valeska iowa it's the valeska axe murderers remember the the there was somebody that brought us a bag of stuff from the valeska yeah i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right do you know steven um <laughs> Valeska. Okay. Uh, so this is the most, this is one of the most famous axe murder cases, but I didn't realize that they're, they're, the theory is basically this is one guy because this, the Valeska axe murder house, so it's the Moore family. Was it like the, the murders from uh, the Truman Capote? Similar. Okay. Yeah. Where, where they just killed that family for no reason. Right. But this is, um, it's their whole family. They'd gotten back from church and then nobody saw them for days. But they did see um, smoke coming out of the chimney, but they just didn't see them out on their farm doing right. their chores. Right. So the neighbors were just like, what's, that's weird. So mm -hmm. after three days, they go check. The entire family has been murdered with axes in their beds, plus two little girls who were there for a sleepover that were neighbor girls. So eight people were murdered in this house with axes. Mm -hmm. And he, they found that the man, um, had been hiding at every mirror in the house was covered with a piece of clothing. Ooh. Um, nothing had been stolen. Uh, the killer um, definitely spent at least two days there. Lots of like had made food, left a bunch of stuff out. Um, and he they found proof again that he had waited in the attic oh, for two days and, until nighttime so he could come out and surprise them and murder them. Um, and then in 1914, uh, in Blue Island, Illinois, a family is found, this is two years later, a family is found murdered in their bed. And then that brings us up to then 1918 in New Orleans. And then four years later in Germany. So then in the 1919 murder at Christmas Eve was the last one. Right. The Pepitone. Where the chick shot at him. Right. Supposedly. Sh shot and killed somebody and then the murders ended. Right. But in Germany... There was a farmer who saw a set of footprints <gasps> this story. in the snow leading to his house, but not away. This is the craziest story. He searches his whole house, top to bottom, doesn't find anything. 
goes to bed that night, either that night or the next night, and then he's murdered. He and his family are murdered, and it's the exact same thing. <clears throat> and that guy hides in their house, I think, right? Yes, he's he's hidden in their house, but they he they couldn't find where. Um, all of the bodies in this were covered uh, with sheets, or um, some of them are out in the barn, so they mm-hmm. were covered in piles of hay. Mm. Um, they uh, he stayed through the weekend, and there was no robbery, so it was exactly the yeah. same mo as all of these other ones. So basically, so it's just saying it could be this German immigrant because on um, and the Valeska Axe Murder House, there was a note written in German under the table hmm. that was left behind, hmm. and there was another uh, one of the women that survived in the earlier ones heard him speaking in German. Ooh. So there was a theory that he was a German um, immigrant who kind of did this for you know what it seems like tw- over 20 maybe 30 years then takes a boat back to Germany he's gonna chill out and then four years later he can't wait anymore and he does it again or has been doing it and they just never got yes I just wonder if in town there was anyone who had like been away if they had known to ask that um you mean in Germany yeah 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 it's it's super crazy it's so extreme so then this is the best part but i don't uh i don't get how it connects it connects in this documentary perfectly because the guy is going like this yeah or whatever. and he's it's like, like in 1994 but it it's super awesome anyway even if it's not real but okay. ba- so basically a guy they're they're they have an old um uh navy ship that they're basically parting out because it's like done for it's retired or whatever they call that. Yeah. And so this guy, it was his job to go through this Navy ship before they take it all apart and take pictures and record and basically do a report on what the status of the ship was and uh, give um, inventory so they know what should be That's saved. creepy to begin with. Can you imagine being alone on a fucking Navy ship? Why alone? And also there was, <laughs> there was, some extra things where I was like, hmm, we're, we're gilding the lily here where it was like, right. and because he, you know, the, the whole ship was off. So he had a flashlight, but he would right. turn the flashlight off. And it was said that to be haunted. Car. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, his camera. Yeah. But even still, when he turned all the pictures in and it was hundreds and hundreds of pictures, mm-hmm. he got a frantic call back from like mm-hmm. headquarters or whatever. And they were like, who's the old man with the axe in that picture? Oh, my God. So then they send him the picture. Oh, my God. Are you going to show me? Yeah, right. Shut the fuck up. It's real? Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Let me see here. <laughs> show Steven. I dropped the phone. <laughs> That is no. I want to yeah, cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that is. Don't it's look. not like. That's the creepiest, scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I chills down chills. my back. Right? What can people? Shit. What do people t- like look up? Um, axe man Navy ship. I put, that's exactly what I put in. Oh my god. Old man axe. Oh, and look. I don't want. There's it. a close up. I don't want it. Um, Give it to me. For everybody else, we'll post this. But yeah. uh, it's oh, basically, you know, okay. when you do, you see like a ghost, a ghost investigator show, and they do a thing where they'll circle something in a yeah. picture, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I see. The this is time. clearly a man on this ship with an axe in his hand. The the close up is less 
convincing to me where honestly like it looks like the guy's wearing like a mask of like that commercial with the um like an old man mask but the, the six flags guy yes, that dances around that guy, but far away and it's definitely an axe but it's far away and like yeah that's it looks like something you wouldn't notice until you saw the photo kind of a thing well also i love the idea is it too close i love the idea of um this old guy is so good at like evading the police and getting away with stuff that he knows to like, Oh, I'm just going to go live on this old ship that they haven't parted out yet. Totally. Like that idea does link together well for me. Um, and then they, at the end of this documentary, I, I highly recommend. And again, you just go put in the ax man of new Orleans and it'll come up. It's the only one that's like 50 minutes long. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they start listing all of the other unrelated unsolved, but full family ax murders where there was no robbery and like basically all of those qualifiers that I kept repeating. And there were probably like eight of them additionally that were just in random cities. And I, what I would love to do, and I'm sure somebody has because they they said somewhere it said they were all near railroad tracks so <gasps> this guy could have just been hobo hobo style oh my God. hopping on hopping on a train and just going because he really does clearly is just a drifter yeah that's going from place to place and yeah. what a perfect way to be a murderer is just yeah. you, you do it jump on a train you were never there I'm wondering if there's some like you know uh, German fairy tale that has to do with like all the weird shit that was in that letter yeah you know like he mentioned specific places that I'd never heard of like in regards to hell so I wonder if like there's some connection there yeah I wonder if they've done any kind of like the studying Jack the Ripper style studying about it yeah yeah I, I had no idea it was this like I found that to be so fascinating because because it is one of those things like the Velasca axe murder house and that whole it's so crazy that it is a standalone murder story. Yeah. But it could possibly be connected to this other like a, just a crazy serial killer that if if it is this guy he killed 61 people of the cases they know yeah. about as a standalone murder it's like well it's someone they knew or that had a beef with someone or that you know they were partners with in business and so they wanted it to himself but if it's not then that's even then that makes almost more sense yeah it's just the house by the railroad tracks where he felt like jumping off sure. like the first place he needed food clothes <gasps> Well, that's kind of interesting. Terrifying. I'm sure there's plenty more other people know. That photo is fucking horrifying. Get ready to enjoy it. All right. People of um, New Orleans. Oh. People of New Orleans. Uh, okay. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. We're talking about lights being depressing. <laughs> Randomly. We had a no, pause. Yeah. We to have a, we have to have a human break. And I made Stephen turn the kitchen lights on because it's dusk, which depresses the shit out of me. Um, yeah, I was saying that it's... It, he, you know what gets me is... I have a friend who has that same thing where he has a whole system of he has to go around the house and turn all, everything on like when the sun is beginning to go me down. too. It's not even like when it's down. Um, I have the opposite thing of when I get up in the morning, if there's a lamp on, it... it it's that thing of why are we even doing this feeling where it's like no one turned the lights off last night or like no one's minding the shop feeling that makes me really mad. It never got shut down. Yes. I feel the same way about when I wake up and come out and the house is messy. Yep. Um, What's funny about that, I was talking about that is when therapy the other day, we kind of paced it like piece it together that that might be why I, between like three o'clock and seven o'clock I always want to go have a drink and like have happy hour like pick Vince up from work and we go have a drink and t- it's like I want to make this part a celebration mm-hmm. because but then after that I'm fine can I just put out a suggestion that you've probably already talked about yeah, which what? is but three o'clock and a seven o'clock is the uh, um, latch key time where you're home by no, yourself totally. after school before you're, anybody gets home from work that's exactly it yeah yeah it's a rough time yeah it's total latchkey, latchkey shit. Yeah. That, to me, that time is like, three to seven is all about um, watching TV I'm not interested in watching, mm. but we won't not watch TV. Oh, like, totally. if there's nothing on, back in the time where there was times where there was nothing on, but we'd still just sit there and force ourselves yeah. to watch, like, Muppet Star babies. Trek. <laughs> yes. It was always reruns of Star Trek, which my sister and I didn't like, yeah. but we were like, well, there's nothing else on. This we have on to right watch now. it. Uh. And now I'm like an expert because of that. <laughs> I've seen all of them 15 times. Yeah, I've seen a fucking shit ton. Next Generation? Oh, every episode I've seen. It seems like everything in adult life is just ways of kind of trying to give the child at that time a little bit of a bottle. And like... Shut the fuck up. I mean... Well, that's why I like drinking booze. Or anything. It's like everybody has a thing, but you're just kind of... It's almost like you're trying to go back and be like, somebody should have been here and given you this. Oh. Somebody should have like... You know what I mean? Somebody should have come and rubbed your back a little bit and made you actual food. And That's my... That's a lot of my therapies. Yeah. Is that... Samesers. Yeah. It's the shit that like... Your fucking patterns that you keep repeating until adulthood in some weird way that I'm now trying to like, you're now doing your best to fucking break. Yeah, but it feels fraudulent. It <laughs> doesn't. It feels like everything's going to fall apart. Apart all the time. <laughs> Hanging by a string. All of the time. And that's why we like podcasts. <laughs> and murder. Because that's truth. That is true. That's fucking preaching it truth okay speaking of hey Karen are you ready for a family annihilator yes 
ready for William Bradford Bishop. Ooh. Okay. Oh, Bill Bishop from down oh, the street? Billy Bish. <laughs> Bill Bish. Bill Bad Bish. Did I say that right? No. Bill Brad Bish. Okay. Anyways. On the morning of March 1st, 1976, mm. in good old Bethesda, Maryland, William Bradford Bishop, who's a 39-year-old Yale graduate, and... <laughs> oh, my God. Say that with more disdain in your Did voice. I say it? <laughs> Yale graduate. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> College. You think you're better than me? Fucking college. Fucking oh. You're not better than me because you fucking went to school uh, with Ivy on it. Oh, you're a Yaley <laughs> graduate and United States Foreign Service officer learns that he is not getting the promotion that he expected. Uh oh, red flag. He tells his secretary he might be getting the flu and leaves work. He withdraws four hundred dollars from his bank, drives to Sears and buys a gas can and a sledgehammer. Uh-oh. A sledgehammer or a ball-peen hammer, which you've mentioned before, and I had no idea what it was. The but sledge- now I know. Sledgehammers are big, and ball-peen hammers are normal hammers. Right. I believe. So I think you're right, so I don't know how those could have been. Anyways, he also buys a shovel and a pitchfork. Then he heads home to his wife, <laughs> mother, and three children. Now, if you're working at that Sears, you're like, I think this guy might be starting his own hardware store yeah. using our stuff. Yeah. Going so home maybe- to garden? How about... He wants to just mark his name down. Yeah. Something. Totally. Make a list. Yeah. Just, or just follow him home and make sure that he doesn't... <laughs> someone do something. Annihilate. Uh, the next day... So the next... He does all that shit. The next day, about a six-hour drive from Bethesda and about five miles from Columbia, North Carolina, in a wooded, swampy forest area, a forest ranger is dispatched to an area where smoke is rising from the trees. <sighs> there he finds... Five burned bodies. Oh, the burned bodies aren't identified for a week until a neighbor of the bishops calls the police, worried that he hasn't seen the family in a week. When the police enter the Bradford home, they find a bloodbath with spattered blood on the floors and walls, and the children's room is covered ceiling to floor in blood. Ugh. Um, and it's then that the shovel from the scene of the burning bodies is traced back to a hardware store in Bethesda and the police make the connection. You mean a Sears? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. A Sears Robux and Company <laughs> at the time. So let's, if we're going to be specific. It is actually technically Sears Robux in 1976. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. All right. So police think that Bradford killed his wife, who was his high school sweetheart, Annette, first, followed by his mother, Lobella, who was returning home from walking the family's golden retriever, Leo. Spoiler alert, Leo's okay. Oh, good. Okay. Mom and wife so far dead. It's very much dead. Bludgeoned. Bad, bad, bad. Bludgeoned as fuck. Then he kills his three boys. 15-year-old Brad, 10-year-old Brenton, and 5-year-old Jeffrey <sighs> were killed while they slept in their beds in an upstairs bedroom. All of them bludgeoned. Here's a fucking horrifying part. Uh, the detective says that in his 12 years as an officer, he, it was one of the worst, it was the worst crime scene he had ever observed. Mm-hmm. And he notes that there were hammer marks on the ceiling above the top bunk bed in one of the boys' bedrooms, which told how many times and how viciously Bishop had struck his son. So in the like back and then blow, he, he fucking hit the hits ceiling? the ceiling. <sighs> yeah, dude. Yeah. So a massive manhunt ensues for Bishop. His The family station wagon that was used to transport the bodies to be burned um, 
was found abandoned in a parking lot hundred, hundreds of miles west from where the bodies were found. And um, Bishop's also identified by the clerk of a sporting goods store in Jacksonville, North Carolina, using his credit card to purchase Converse shoes the same day that the bodies were found. Was he coming to Silver Lake? I know. I <laughs> I added that because I just thought it was so... <laughs> oh, that detail. I thought yeah. you meant like we were making the same joke. Oh, my God. No. <clears throat> yeah, that's super... But I, it's some, some articles said tennis shoes, and I'm like, no, Converse. That's like a specific <laughs> thing, because we all own them. Yeah, that's right. And also, it sounds like... Because he was... Uh, did you say he was in the Navy or something he before? Was in, he, yeah. He, some kind of military mm-hmm. guy? So he's trying to play a different character, right? Sure. He's blending in. Hippie shit. Hippie he's shit. trying to bring his hippie shit to the West Coast. Yeah, or be a skater. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that man turned out to be yeah. <laughs> Who's a skate? I can't think of anyone because I don't know any. Uh, Tony. Hawk. I was going to say Peralta. Oh, Stacy Peralta. Yeah. Shit. And there we it. go, Steven I'm I'm a poser. I'm a poser. <laughs> You're a poser. You're not posing to be a fucking skating. Camp. I'm trying to make people think I skate. Hey, bro. Okay. Da 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 da. Converse shoes. Same day the bodies are found. Um, and it's also said that he had the dog on a leash with him. So he didn't. And when I first read this whole article, it was that the dog was killed too. And I'm like, people are not going to fucking like that. Right. But the dog is on a leash and he seems to be okay. Anyways, after that, what are you thinking? I just was, it's just, do you think people do that because it's, the animal is the most innocent in the almost like the innocence food pyramid of like it can't talk it can't do anything for itself like it's not necessary at that point it's, i mean listen we're no, talking about I, a 5 year old child too but no it's but but that's just it it's like a tiny child being murdered by its own parent is horrifying but I do think that stuns people into silence. But then if like go- you say the words golden retriever, people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like why? Like, why would you? You can even just approach it. Like, you don't even want us to talk about the five year old. It somehow makes it seem like they're even more of a monster. But there's this weird bit of humanity that he kept. He didn't even leave the dog in the house. He like brought the dog with him. Yeah, it's weird. Kurt, I think it's Kurt Bronner has a joke about how Hitler had a dog. That doesn't seem right. Not that Kurt Brownler, but that Hitler would have a dog. (laughs) I get that. That dog probably loved him. I mean, well, I bet he was a German Shepherd. It's true. Fucking things. I love German Shepherds. I do too. I do too. (laughs) I I do too. My mom hates them because of Germany. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Goes cold. Okay, after that sighting, the trail goes cold. And since Bishop spoke six languages fluently, knew how to fly a plane, and had lived throughout the world and possibly had fake IDs because of his work with the State Department, finding him didn't look good. Law enforcement tried to get his psychotherapy records from his shrink, who Bishop had been seeing once or twice a week for five years, but the shrink refused saying, you know, doctor-patient privilege. But it's been said that the doctor was so shaken by Bishop's crime that he quit his practice, which is, can you imagine not spotting that for five fucking years or having spotted it and not done anything about it? Like That's horrible. What's worse? Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh... Yeah, not having done anything about it. Like think so thinking too. that you were wrong or doubting yourself. Yeah. Or something. Or just being like, am I? But after five years, I feel like five years of, um, you just have to be, if you can manipulate a psychotherapist for five years, 
you're you're some fucking craziness. Yeah. Also, if he was a military man, I bet you he wasn't all that forthcoming. Isn't well, that isn't he, that kind of a personality trait of you're not really supposed to be that way in the military? Well, that's funny that you say that because I read something that said that if if you were in whatever rank he was in and you were going to psychotherapy, that was grounds for dismissal. Oh shit. So uh, on top of that, he probably wasn't didn't also want to be like, yeah, and I want to murder my family. So like it couldn't even get out that he was in there. Whoa. So that's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Oh, so getting help for being in like a conflict-based business. Right. Where, where like, you could have PTSD for whatever reason. You're not, you cannot be in therapy. Or you're traveling the fucking world and your family's home and there's, it's rough at home. Or you have money issues. I can't, it can't be like that anymore. Or you got left at home between three and seven every goddamn day of the week. <laughs> like you were just some sort of... And you had no idea what time your parents were coming home and you were <laughs> sick of peanut butter sandwiches. You had eaten so much toast that you felt sick. Oh, toast. God, we ate a lot of toast. We ate so much toast. So much... Cheese toasted this day is one of my favorite things, but of course my brother would eat all the fucking cheese in the house, <laughs> so it would be peanut butter toast. <laughs> we would do... Uh my sister got really into making quesadillas, but she wouldn't make me one. That was, you know, anything she could pull away, anything well, she could hold over me. But quesadilla at that point was a tortilla with a slice of American cheese in the microwave for a hold minute. It. Yes. And then she would, crunched it closed. Yeah. She would get a, get fancy and put it in a pan. Oh, she thinks she's fucking, yeah. she, fucking Julia Child. She thought she was going for it. And I was like, clear the area. I'm trying to butter some crackers. <laughs> like... Basically, all we were trying buttered to do crackers. I love it. Stacking up buttered crackers and then drinking Seven Up, and it's just basically you put a whole like one in your mouth at intake. Once. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Pardon me, I'm planning. I'm trying to get fat for junior high." Oh my god! Clear the area. I have so many feelings. Yeah, right now. Should we go back to the easier ones, which is family <laughs> annihilators? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, on March 19th, 1976, a grand jury indicts Bishop on five counts of first-degree murder. Um, but th- to this day, Karen, Bishop has never been found. Whoa. Yep. So, there's this photo of him from when he was young that they all show, and he looks a little bit like Lee Harvey Oswald meets John Belushi, if you can picture that. Oh. It's weird. Like, you're kind of like, he's kind of hot, but then he has this weird, like, smug, like, tight close smile that looks creepy since you know what he did mm-hmm. um, and then they made a one of those busts of him of like what he would look like if he were older and it's super creepy as well and he I'm sure that he's Hugh Hefner like it's yeah. Hugh Hefner <laughs> it's so it's Hugh fucking Hefner uh, is the bust the yeah, future Steven, age can you pick, can you pull that up it's a William Bradford Bishop bust it's, it's just a cover of Playboy magazine <laughs> Stephen no <laughs> Not Hugh Hefner's picture. <laughs> he just pulls that up. Uh, all right. So there have been three credible sightings of Bishop. One was in July 1978. A Swedish woman who had worked with Bishop before the murders said she spotted him. Stephen's got it. Right? Am I right? I mean. Oh, no. Let me see. It's totally. It looks like, uh, is it Frank Langella? No. Um, he's the guy that always plays like a. He's just like, hey, kid. Hilarious. He's Hugh Hefner, right? Yes, he's it missing looks exactly rope. like Hugh Hefner. He's missing like the the bathrobe. Yeah, and that's it. Jacket. Yeah, he's like if Hugh Hefner had a trucker brother. Yeah, that's what that guy yeah. looks like. Creepy. Okay, July 1978, Swedish woman who had worked with him prior to the murders. She said she spotted him twice 
uh, in a public park in Stockholm, Sweden, when in a span of a week, and she stated that she was absolutely certain that it was Bishop. Hmm. Then, in and this is interesting because it's all people who knew him, you know. So in July 1979, um, he was reported to have been seen by a former U.S. State Department colleague in a restroom in Sorrento, Italy. Uh, the colleague greeted him. Who had, who said, and he said he was bearded. He had personally believed to be Bishop eye to eye, and he asked the man impulsively, Hey, you're Brad Bishop, aren't you? The man panicked suddenly, responding in a distinctly American accent, saying, Oh God, no. And then he ran swiftly out of the restroom and fled. But he started shaking and panicking when he asked <sighs> him. Mm-hmm. This is all like kind of confirmed that these could actually be sightings. It wasn't just like random stuff, ho- like hokey bullshit. On September nineteenth, <laughs> it was a little. It was kind of. Corny. I mean, yeah, yeah, it wasn't unsolved mysteries, but it was. You know, <laughs> all right. On September nineteenth, I'm sure this was on unsolved mysteries too. On September nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, in Basel, Switzerland, a neighbor who had known a bishop and his family in Bethesda reports that she had seen Bishop from a few feet away while on vacation. The neighbor described Bishop as well-groomed. So all people who knew him well enough to re- like recognize him. Then, and I thought this was so exciting, a John Doe who was struck by a car while walking down a highway in 1981, um, who was a person who appeared to be homeless, ended up getting exhumed after a local resident thought that the bust of Bishop looked like this Doe. And I fucking lost my mind. It looks so much like him that you l- are sure it's him and it's fucking not. Ugh. But I think they fucked up the DNA test because it's fucking him wow yeah look up the dead body um (laughs) it doesn't match (laughs) okay there's also of course been talk of bishop being a victim of the mk ultra mind control experience by the cia that went awry causing him to kill his family which is like okay is that the right time frame uh the 60s 70s yeah i guess so yeah that they they, I feel like they dosed a lot of people on acid back then, right? I think so, but it, it seemed, that's so close to the 80s. I feel like it was shut down by then. But and I mean, that, look, if people theorize that it's because it's it wasn't, and also it was a secret. I mean, Karen, government it's probably thing. still going on <laughs> to this day. Yeah, Stephen. Stephen is an MK Ultra. Oh, something. I knew something. it. That's what it is. That's totally what it is. You're like, and his mustache is a fucking recording device. It's like, a, no, no matter how much we make fun of it, he won't shave it. So up in there. I love it. Like, he fucking sets the two hugest microphones up every time, but his mustache <laughs> is the recording device. You These are me. all fake. You caught me. You should hear the shit we say when it's not recording and the shit we actually make him edit out. That's the, like, we are Russian operative spies. It's true. Oh. Well, I, I do love them. Kaldra is if, if you know, somebody was asking if something could get solved, right? Somebody was asking mm-hmm. us that the other day, like conversationally. And I've, it's always like, we always say like John Bonet right, right, or right. blah, 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 whatever. But then just thinking about that, like I would love the f- real deal report on MK. Ultra. The list of things that have happened because of it. Yeah. That's a good one. Like the real, you know, there was like the one guy that they, the family's like, there's no way he would have committed suicide. Yeah. And it was like, he jumped out of a window. Right. Yeah. And there was just I mean, there's like, a million of those. Yeah. And they're always like, those, that would be good. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's also like, it's an, it's easy though. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, oh yeah, she just, was a runaway. It's like, no, it's much more comp, it's much more simple than that. 
or something. Yeah. yeah. Or that's simple. Okay. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. I think it's more likely that he was depressed. He was also having financial trouble and that he was a fucking dick. If he were still <laughs> alive today, he would be 80 years old. Oh. So he could still be alive. Yeah. So everyone go, go find Hugh Hefner's creepy brother. So I, God, that's interesting to be guilty of a crime and run to Stockholm, Sweden and still run into someone that you know. Ugh, because like, how annoying is that? Right. And because he was in the military, he probably went to military-ish places, right? Like when he places he knew from having gone there before from for his job. You think he wouldn't though, because because then people would recognize him there. Yeah, but he also um, he also spent some time in Africa before the murders too. So that seems like the most I think the most logical place to go because. But I, he wasn't black, right? No. So he would stand out probably too much. I think there's a lot of white people there. Oh, true, true, true. You know, apartheid and all that I, uh, shit. Okay. I just immediately was like, yeah, he won't go stand on the Savannah, Karen. He's not going to just go like, he's not going to walk into a National Geographic special and then be like, hope nobody finds me here near the zebras who are trying to drink water during a drought. Yeah. This tribe. What's wrong with this, my brain? This tribe let me come in and join the fray. But I mean... I guess what I meant was there's those places where like, it's almost like you would, of all the places you would have to list. Okay. This guy ran, where'd he go? He'd went to LA. He went to California. Yeah. He, people go, always go West. Instead he went East. And then he went to a place where like Stockholm, Sweden is just like, nobody really. You would just blend. Yeah. There's a lot of places you could blend. And you know, it was the time when like you, d you could, you didn't need a passport or, you know, your name didn't even have to be on the ticket. And yeah. Know, he, and he had a week start because they didn't, a week head, head start. Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't identify the bodies until then. Yeah. He was all free and clear. What a creep. He fucking, he didn't just murder them and leave their bodies. He murdered them, drove six hours away, dug a fucking shallow hole and put the gasoline that he had bought that day on the bodies and lit them. His mom, his high school sweetheart, and his three children. That's almost the same as John List. It's so much like John List. Except, and not to say my guy was better than your guy, <laughs> but John List shot everybody in the back of that. Nobody, saw, nobody knew anything was happening. Yeah. He just took them out from behind. I think he might have as well. If you're going to back in. <laughs> well, no, like, I was just thinking good. like... Yours has a good... I guess they both have good closures where it's like, the money was in the ceiling the whole time. I know. John lists. No, but this one I'm saying, it's the murder is so much more personal and awful and like, you know, hammer marks right. in the ceiling type of shit. He's where not it's like, like trying to end it quick. Yeah, you're overkilling your own children. And you're hurting them. What the fuck? But he waited till they were sleeping. He didn't come home until they were asleep. And the mom was on, his mom was on a walk with the dog that he, that she do every night. It's just not. You can't find a lot of details about what, how it happened either, which is like, there's no like, in this room, this happened while his wife was cooking or whatever the fuck. Also, what was he like, just like, if you were in the cafeteria at the same time? Which was, do you think he was like, Cl clearly one of those like a, a closed fist of a person yeah. or do you think he, it was all like deep, still rotters run deep and he was just like chill and nothing was going on there was not a single thing that I saw that was like and you always see this everyone said he was such a great guy and everyone's like so I don't think he was a, he could have been tightly wound yeah I don't think people weren't like he we were so surprised right no one said that yeah as yeah. far as I could tell fuck 
Yeah. So that is Family Annihilator, William Bradford Bishop. Wow, Bill Bishop. Yeah. You, that's like, I've never heard of that guy. And that's truly awful. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Also, once you kill them, you're going to run anyway. Why do you have to burn the bodies? You got that head start. But like, that's a, just one chore you don't have to do. Like you, <laughs> you've killed your whole family. Yeah. They're probably not going to get find for, found for a week. But I mean, like, either way, it's it's not like you killed one member of your family and everyone else yeah. doesn't know what's happening or something. It's like you've taken out an entire family unit. People are going to catch on yeah. no matter what the state of their corpses is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucked up. I mean, it's it, too much. It's pretty amazing that they were able to actually identify the bodies because if he hadn't left that shovel behind, they would have never gone. They would have never talked to Bethesda, Maryland because they identified it as one of two hardware stores in Bethesda. And it was hundreds of miles away, right? You said six hours away or something. So if he hadn't kind of fucked up and left a shovel behind, they would have never been traced to each other. Did he want to get caught? Yeah, maybe it was probably his, I don't think he wanted to get caught. No, you don't burn bodies. You specifically don't want to get caught if you burn bodies. It's just, he did everything the worst way possible. He really did. And he was never fucking found, and which is so disappointing. Yeah, but he got that military edge. He's he's like a a Bourne-esque. He's a Jason Bourne type. Yeah. Bad Bourne. Yeah, bad Bourne. Um, hey, <laughs> one positive thing that happened. Let's, hey, hey, hey. Let's, let's get out of there. Uh, what about how, so we try to end this with um, something positive because we don't want to end on, on Family Annihilator. A thing that makes us happy, okay, a yeah. thing that we like, yeah, a thing, thing that we've noticed lately that's fun. Yeah. You just shook your head terrifyingly <laughs> at me. Um, mine is that because three o'clock to seven o'clock is so hard for what the fuck? I hate neighbors. Um, oh, that was creepy. <laughs> they just moved in, so they're like putting oh, paint, putting paintings up and shit. Oh. We're podcasting. Oh, we're podcasting. <laughs> also, that it just was so light. It was really creepy. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to be quiet. Okay, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Okay. So from three to seven. So it's hard for me. So the thing I've been doing this past week to try to like make it positive <laughs> did me scare the shit out of me. Just, yeah. Hi, little girl. Um, the thing I've been laying out at the pool oh. in the sun and it's been fucking phenomenal. Oh, and that's it's good. Been making me so happy and so like, like I feel like I'm in paradise. That's really good. I wonder if you had maybe a little vitamin D deficiency mm-hmm. and you need a little sunlight, a little, um, what do they call it? Weather depression or whatever? Yeah, definitely. And it's just this thing of like, okay, here's celebrating life in a different way than alcohol and charcuterie. Yes. Which, man, still sounds so much better, but whatever. Uh, d- it, well, it's definitely faster. But it's so <laughs> relaxing when you're outside. I've been actually sitting outside at my house, too. Nice. Um, it's just so relaxing. And it's been mine. Okay, I guess mine will be... I walked my dogs in my neighborhood, the neighborhood kind of near me, which is nice, um, last night. And it was as if all the jasmine in the whole neighborhood <gasps> bloomed at one time. I know. It was crazy. It's walking around a neighborhood and it smelled like the inside of a florist shop was one of the weirdest things of all time. There's this moment in LA and it's such a quick moment where all the jasmine blooms and yeah. it only happens for like a very short time during the year. And it's fucking fabulous. It's crazy. And when you, wa- like, I, I was coming home from something and 
from my from like the uh, lift to the front door I was the smell was so beautiful and strong I was like I have to walk my dogs right now like I need to be out in I this love, air I love that it was I very cool it. that's a good one and also I because I've been in my house doing nothing but like binge watching TV <laughs> and cleaning the walls and wa- and wiping down walls like a weird mental patient just kind of like staring the walls off. must be clean <laughs> but they are the difference it makes when your walls are clean, I just highly recommend. You don't get- think about it until someone else does it that you pay them to do it, and you're like, oh. But also, when you get one of those magic erasers, mm-hmm. they really do work. I know, I love it's, it. What's it, a Mr. Clean thing? Yeah. Or you can get a Target brand. It's like a little bleach sponge. Yeah. It's a white sponge that when you touch it to things, it just makes marks and nicks and shitty looking things go away. I bet it's made of asbestos. Uh, it, I hold it in my hand for like hours at a time. Let it I'm dissolve. Like, all of this is leaching into my system. Well, you know what? Maybe it'll clean it out a little bit. I mean, the end days are going to come before you can die of asbestos poisoning, probably, right? What if the magic eraser is the new green juice? And that's the way to detox. Is <laughs> just to magic erase both hands. Yeah. Every morning. <laughs> I'm just picturing that. Um, I think I can get Mimi to to meow again <gasps> yes special guest all right someone post yeah go to our instagram um wait thanks for listening oh thank you uh, so much for listening you guys are the best you're we we appreciate you your support and um having fun with us yeah. and we want you to stay sexy and don't get murdered mimi want cookie? mimi say it mimi want a cookie yeah. not you <laughs> mimi <laughs> look at mimi she won't do it Come on! <gasps> Yay! I, I talked over her. Right, let's see if she'll do it again. You can cut all the shit out. So well, there she is. Wait, Mimi. <laughs> Elvis, she's mad. I know. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it's done. Bye. Bye.